This podcast may contain disturbing content for some listeners. It's intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. So in continuing with like what scams can I possibly dig up, um, I tried to pick a couple that like you couldn't see in just like any uh, news article. Although I will say that like a couple of them, they maybe got covered. They just sort of didn't stay very long. Um, I grabbed one. Okay. I grabbed this kind of like wild press release back in April. I was waiting to see what happened. Here, uh, here's the press release itself. So, and I don't know if people read these or not. Um, I, I read a lot of them because I find it fascinating. The ones that I read tend to, I don't know. I don't read a lot about like murder and stuff. Every once in a while I'll read one and I'm like, okay, that's like a serial killer guy. Um, this is April 14th, 2023, and it's actually out of uh, OPA, which is the Office of Public Affairs for the United States Department of Justice, the DOJ. Um, and the headline's pretty simple. It says, nine defendants sentenced in $126 million compounding fraud scheme. And it goes on, and this is not attributed to any person. It's just like a staff write-up. It says, nine defendants, including three compounding pharmacy owners, a physician, two pharmacists, and three patient recruiters, were sentenced yesterday for their respective role in a years-long multi-state scheme to defraud the Department of Labor's Office of Workers' Compensation Programs, or OWCP, and TRICARE, which is People don't know what TRICARE is, T-R-I-C-A-R-E. That's the healthcare program for U.S. service members and their dependents. So these sentences include John Cruz, 52, of Houston, who is a former co-owner of Assurance Consolidated Pharmacy, or ACP, which is a pharmacy located in Spring, Texas, as well as an owner of the Injured Federal Workers' Advocate Association, or IFWAA, an organization that purported to assist injured federal workers, his sentence was 20 years in prison. LaShonia Johnson, uh, who's 50, of Houston, she's a former co-owner of ACP, that Assurance Consolidated Pharmacy, with her husband and co-defendant, John Cruz, and she was a director at IF. W-A-A. She got 15 years in prison. Kenny Azud is 48, and he's out of Houston. Uh, he's a former owner of Compounding Solutions, LLC, which is a pharmacy based out of Houston. And he got 10 years in prison. So James Don Jackson, who's 63, of Tyler, Texas, uh, who was a licensed medical doctor in Texas, he gets five years in prison. Nirvana Hightower, who is 56 of Houston, and 
uh, Nirvana is a pharmacist licensed in, licensed in Texas and a pharmacist in charge at Compounding Solutions. And that sentence is five years in prison. Keith Hudson of Humble, Texas, who is a pharmacist uh, licensed in Texas, he's 55 years old. He was also a pharmacist in charge at ACP with Cruz and Johnson. Uh, that sentence is three years. Audra Jones of Houston gets two years and six months. Terrence Ais of Carrollton, Texas, who's a patient recruiter, gets a year and six months. And Sherrod Johnson of uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, gets a year and six months. And the idea here is that the defendants submitted false and fraudulent claims to the OWCP and TRICARE for prescriptions for compounded and other drugs prescribed to injured federal workers and members of the armed forces. The defendants were paying kickbacks to patient recruiters and physicians to prescribe these drugs. The defendants chose the particular compounds and other drugs based not on the patient's medical needs, but in light of the amount of reimbursement for the drugs. The drugs were then mailed to the patients, although the patients often never requested, wanted, or needed them. Uh, then they have a, a stack of other people that they're going to sentence. Uh, Dr. Jay Bender, Dr. Deepak Shabda, Donathan Kemp, and Narish Giovanni. They have sentencing scheduled for later. This investigation is made up of the U.S. Attorney's Office, which is the Justice Department's criminal division, the Southern District of Texas Office of the Justice Department's criminal division. So that's an assistant attorney general and a U.S. attorney, uh, a special agent in charge of the U.S. Postal Office of Inspector General, a special agent in charge at the DOL, which is the Department of Labor, a special agent in charge at the Department of Defense, OIG, and then a special agent in charge at the Department of Veterans Affairs. This one, for some reason, um, is out of the South Central Field Office. So this is a huge thing. Uh, there's multiple trial attorneys. There's like maybe six or eight trial attorneys, a lot of defense attorneys. They're specifically prosecuting this under uh, fraud sections. And then, so this happens in April. Sentencing kind of strings itself along. And we finally get to uh, uh, hear about this in October. Uh, it, like for some reason, like the articles just didn't really uh, come out. I, I did go look up some of the other sentences um, from May and later. This thing went on for a while. Like this, this setup here went on for a while. When they started getting uh, indicted, the idea was they thought there was about $40 million in bad workers comp claims. That was back in 2018 by 2022 they had decided that uh, it was probably more in the neighborhood of 130 to 150 million dollars. The number they settled on for the amount of fraud is 126 million. That's a lot of fraud, especially one compounded prescription at a time. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, this popped up because I got a link from someone to an AtlantaBlackStar.com article. Uh, from a, an, a writer named Nicole Duncan Smith. And that article kind of expands on this idea a little bit, uh, not a whole lot, but essentially what the article says uh, is, hate to see it, Houston power couple sentenced to a combined 35 years in federal workman's comp fraud scheme. 
Um, so they're calling John Cruz and his wife, LaShawnia Johnson, who own a bunch of stuff, a uh, Houston power couple. And so one of the businesses that the duo once owned is fighting to divorce its good name from the headline grabbing scandal. So John Cruz and LaShawnia Johnson, in addition to this other nonsense, they owned Phil and Derek's restaurant and jazz lounge. And when the couple went down in this scam, Phil and Derek's decides it doesn't want to be a part of this. It's a popular destination for African Americans in, in Houston is where, uh, they own this. So there was some struggle afterwards and new owners had to take over. And they, they kind of recap everything that I, that I just said, including like the kickback statements and, and how much is going on there. But people were starting to comment on social media. And I noticed that uh, one of the things that was left out here is the restitution. Did you see the restitution in this case? Uh, I don't, it wasn't in the press release. No, it wasn't originally, but they bring it up on social media and I went to check it and I checked it and it is correct. This is my favorite part. So Cruz and Johnson, in addition to getting Cruz gets, John Cruz gets 20 years and then his wife gets 15 years. They both have to pay back $32 million a piece in restitution. Which is not going to happen. No, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, when you see this, do you get annoyed with the fact that, like, that's money that's... Uh, now, some of it, they did seize assets here. Well, sure. Okay, that's fine, as long as they seize the assets. So, basically, to sort of just get it straight in my head, uh, you've got a situation where you've got nine people over a course of time that have set up through, it looks like a couple different entities, right? A pharmacy and an advocate group. And they partner with some doctors. And those seem to be other than the nine people that are in this particular press release, right? Yeah. But you've got a situation where people who are injured go to a doctor and the doctor prescribes them something specifically that has to be compounded. And the assurance consolidated pharmacy seems to be the main player here. They fill that prescription and it is the, the prescription is based on the amount of money they are going to bill workers comp for this. Right. Yeah. Okay, and there's a sort of a blurb in here that indicates that the drugs being prescribed were mailed off to patients that didn't need, hadn't requested, and didn't want them. Correct. Okay, and so that's where this becomes this huge fraud scheme. It's amazing to me with the amount of work that went into this, okay, that they didn't find a legal way to do it. Yeah, no kidding. Because I, I, I don't know this for sure, but I guarantee you it was the patients that were getting mailed these compounded drugs that turned them in in the first place. 
I, I'm just yeah. saying because yeah. you're giving you're, you're compounding draw you're com- so you know I don't know if you've ever I've had to deal with this before for some reason but occasionally you'll be prescribed something that has to be compounded and then you have you can't just go to any pharmacy you have to go to a compounding pharmacy right correct and there's uh, sometimes those prescriptions are more expensive or whatever and they set all this up now you know we're, you're going from 20 years in prison to a year and a half in prison right and everything yeah. in between um, and so that's varying levels of involvement right essentially they found a way to squeeze the because it doesn't seem like patients were necessarily victimized it seems like they were used right yeah it's the it's the it's the kickbacks and the actual like reimbursement fraud that gets these guys well right and so if they had just had patients that actually needed these drugs right yeah then there's no fraud Um, yeah i'm with you let me ask you this how long do you think this went on 10 years? I, I don't know. Well, so I I went back and I hunted through and I found where this seems to have started. And and that's the reason I put all this in here. I've got a couple other fraud cases to talk about, but I'm going to stick to this one for a second. So I went back in time and I like found sort of, I think I found some of the origins of this. Um, and, and, this has to be the same people, but this is not directly related to it. Um, I pulled this court document that's based on a 2017 case where it's like an appellate document filed in 2020 that goes back to some stuff that happened in 2013. And I wanted to run it by you because I find it fascinating. Um, This is the matter of the United States of America versus Frankie Sanders and Pamela Rose. Uh, Pamela Rose is also known as Pamela Archibald. Um, And this is what the the document lays out here. It's in the Southern District of Texas, by the way. It says, Pamela Rose and Frankie Sanders were executives at a company that provided rehabilitative services to injured federal employees. A jury convicted Rose and Sanders of conspiracy and fraud for participating in a plot to defraud the Federal Workers' Compensation Fund. Both challenged the sufficiency of the evidence and the district court's handling of a recalcitrant witness. Rose also protests the criminal forfeiture of several properties. So this is a different thing. But here's where we're going with this. Federal Work Ready, or FWR, was a healthcare business based in Houston. FWR marketed itself to federal patients whose physical therapy, PT, was reimbursable under the FECA, which is the Federal Employees Compensation Act. It's in uh, Title V of the U.S. Code. Uh, if you go to 8101, you can find what's happening there. Uh, FWR served hundreds of federal, federal workers and received millions of dollars in reimbursements from the federal government. It had PT clinics in several states, including Texas and Louisiana. Mrs. Rose and Sanders, they co owned FWR, along with Jeffrey Rose, Mr. Rose, the defendant Rose's husband. Mrs. Rose served as the CFO. Sanders was the VP of clinical operations. And Mr. Rose was the CEO. 
Other key personnel included John Cruz, the COO, and Dr. Hugo Jamie, a licensed chiropractor who oversaw PT and the medical professionals. So my point on this is FWR gets to be kind of a big business. Oh, that gets uh, uncovered as being a giant scheme to defraud the Department of Labor and the workers' compensation programs. So it appears that John Cruz left this scheme because instead of, like you said, looking at it and developing a way to do all of this legitimately, he decided, I can do this better and have a bigger scheme. It certainly didn't appear to deter him. No, and this woman, okay, so in July of 2013, and I'm kind of skipping around here, it's the same type fraud. It's just with physical therapy. Okay, well, unfortunately, what I'm seeing then from that is I would say that they were going at it for like maybe two to three years. It's got to be before that. So the government serves search warrants at some of these clinics. And so Mrs. Rose calls John Cruz. And tells him to go into the office. And he goes in and like looks at everything. Investigators question him. She ends up making him sweep the office for bugs. And they start stashing money. So Mr. Rose, Mrs. Rose, and John Cruz start stashing money. This goes back so far. If you really want to bury yourself this holiday... Start looking into John Cruz and his involvement with the federal government, and then you'll find the Sanders, you'll find the Roses, you'll find all these other people surrounding this. Well, and what I was getting at, the reason I said it was two or three years is because this case is from 17 filed in 20, right? Yeah. And he still appears to be part of this entity up to a point, right? And then it seems like he was no longer part of this entity. He made his own entity, right? Yeah. Uh, that could actually be what got them caught ultimately. It is not an accomplishment to defraud the federal government of multiple million dollars. It is actually something I feel like just about anybody could do. You don't want to do that, however. No, and that's, you know, I, I bring this up because if the government is on to you in 2013, that means you've been up to this for a minute. Well, right, but he, and he, this is where he's learning, though. Yep, yep. This is where he's learning how to do it. He he actually, and I, again, possibly because he's not charged here, um, I feel like this would be enough to be like, oh, I need to get out of that, right? That's what I was thinking, like us being able to look at these documents and this case going back with dates all the way back to 2013. I have no sympathy for the guy getting sentenced in 2023 for doing the same thing, but with compounding pharmaceuticals. Well, but not only is he like running the same type of scheme, he brought his wife into it. Correct. And she's now going to, she's been sentenced to 15 years. Correct. Um, so financial crimes drive me crazy. Uh, <laughs> For a number like, of reasons. I feel like the resources involved in shutting this stuff down, like, I don't know what the threshold is, like, as far as the amount of money that has been, you know, schemed, like, where do they have to start um, investigating or whatever? 
But I feel like the scheme remains the same the whole time, right? Yeah. Uh, it's pretty clear to me that there aren't there aren't things in place that should be there to kind of, you know, detour this type of um, action. For example, in the compounding pharmacy situation, like there should be sort of a trigger anytime there's a certain number of compounded prescriptions being written or filled or whatever, like, and I don't know what it is because that's not my field of expertise, but you know, there's going to be an amount that comes into play that makes it, you know, ridiculous that it's happening. Right. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but it, to me, it seems like this could be avoided before it results in nine people all going to jail and $126 million being lost. Yeah. So I feel like it's a tremendous waste of resources. Well, it is a it is like a pretty tremendous waste of resources to some degree. I went on and pulled up John Cruz's um, LinkedIn. I'm dying to know, like this guy, like what? How did he present himself? He's got a very nice professional picture. He says he's an entrepreneur, and this is his quote in his about section. I am most passionate about helping people. Although the needs of people are wide and varied, I've decided to use my business skills to assist injured federal employees. My team and I have worked the last few years on understanding the issues, developing solutions to complex problems, creating successful systems within our business, and assembling qualified people who share our passion for providing knowledge and resources to injured employees when they need it most. We're very proud of the work we do as an organization and the people helping people movement that we are creating. What the world needs is more people who are dedicated to assisting their fellow man slash woman overcome life struggles for more information on these problems that we solve as an organization, please go to, and then it's got ifwaa.org. And then under his experience, it says that he's currently the chairman of the board of something called Megatran Idaho, which is a small non-emergency medical provider that originated in Houston, Texas. Uh, it says he's the chairman of the board of Phil and Derrick's, which I had uh, previously mentioned. It says that he's the executive director of the Injured Federal Workers Advocate Association, which is now offline. Um, and he has it marked up as being from 2014 to 2019. And then his business experience before that is he was the chairman of Small Business Today magazine, quote, self-employed, September 11th through July 2015. Uh, and then before that, he ran a, a small business radio talk show from 2011 to 2013. Um, he has eight more experiences listed where he worked construction uh, from 2002 to 2009 as he worked as a bank, a mortgage banker before that from 1992 to 2005. Um, and then he was an adjunct professor from 1999 to 2004 at Houston Community College teaching in the real estate department. I don't know what this guy is doing, but there is no way that any of this makes any sense. He has all sorts of endorsements on here. Everything about the situation, like I said, what they were doing could have absolutely been done legally. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and, 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 and successfully. And successfully, right. Now, okay, granted, there are 
points in time, and I think I've said this before, like you should never be making millions of dollars off from the federal government. There's an issue when that occurs. If you're doing it legally, however, the, the thing is, okay, my point being, there's never going to be a situation where it adds up that a company now they were what was it thirty four million dollars each? Uh, thirty two million dollars is the restitution for him and his wife each, right? So that's sixty four million. So that's like half of it, sort of. Yeah. I'm not really sure where the number comes from, but so like they can't possibly have come home from work at the end of the day after they started this particular venture, and you know had their direct deposit of their $64 million going into their bank account and thought to themselves, oh, well, that was like a good venture that we're on, right? Like, that's too much money. You would never believe that that is, in fact, like you're doing everything legitimately, right? Yep. As you shouldn't, because you're not. And it, I guess maybe it did send off some red flags, but in the event that the way everything is structured. And so this is people who are are having, uh, being heard at work and making claims, right? And there's money set aside and the federal budget for this. Correct. That's how you end up on like the Department of Justice press release page, right? But because of that, it is never a situation. The reason they pay the amount for the compounded drug that's, you know, being supplied is because it serves a specific need and there's only going to be so many people that are going to ever need it. Right. And like, it's a whole thing. And when it starts to skew, nobody involved can really be like, Oh, I didn't see that coming. Look, no matter what, what is happening here, these guys end up in a situation where it's not just that they get caught. It's that they already knew that like, this is how this would end. Right. And it almost, it almost seems like, especially with Cruz, cause he's named here in this other case, it almost seems like he was like, well, I'm going to take what I learned there and what they got in trouble for. And I'm going to do better and do Better in the sense that it was so much worse, right? That's what I couldn't figure out. Like, and like at first, I was like, "Oh, it's just two guys named John Cruz," and I'm mistaken. But then I it dug. Might be, but it I is don't not. It so. is. Not, it is not. <laughs> like he, he, like he, literally, like basically just takes over where the others go to prison. And see, I find that astounding. I mean, it just, it, it it's is. mind-blowing because he clearly, he had a benefit in this earlier case where he was part of it and he didn't seem like he got in trouble for it, right? He did not. And so it would almost kind of be like, oh, wow, here's my second chance, right? You would think, yeah, you would think that like this would, if it's, nothing else, if nothing else, you would think that like you look and go, I wonder how this can turn out. And I, I will say this, okay, for, for everything that, that we look at here, one of the shocking things for me, uh, what was the, the Rose Woman's first name? 
Um, her first name is <laughs> uh, Pamela Annette Rose. And she's also known as Pamela Annette Archibald. Okay, got it. Okay. I don't know what happened to Frankie Sanders. But Frankie Sanders does almost no time for this. And I was looking to see if, like, something had happened there. Now, Pamela Rose is still in prison. She's still in Carswell because I looked her up because I was curious, like, how that would work. But she's in Carswell, which is at the um, – it's a minimum security camp at the Naval Air Station down in Texas. Do you know what her sentence is? Let's see. It would have been something like eight, uh, eight years. Okay. Minimum, um, maybe a little longer. And John Cruz is in, he's in Oakdale. Like his, his, uh, he gets out March 28th of 2040. Oakdale is a Louisiana, it's not minimum, but it's low security. It's not a pleasant place. It's got about 800 people there. I was just looking at it from the perspective of like, if you are going to do all of this, you want to be Frankie Sanders to some degree. These are millions of dollars that they're doing. And I wondered, so this is what I can run by you. Do you think they looked at this? And, and I, I'm coming back around to, uh, to Frankie. Do you think they look at this and they go, all right, we're going to give them this much time. And that spurs something. Okay. So here we go. Frankie Sanders got 18 months. And was required to reimburse $10,000. Do you think looking at that, John Cruz goes, I can make millions of dollars and all I'm going to get is 18 months? I can do 18 months standing on my head. Okay, well, that would make a little bit of sense. Do you know because, what I'm saying? Because, well, yeah, because, um, okay, yeah, I can see that. However, he didn't get 18 months. He got 20 years. Right. And Pamela Rose gets sentenced much later. Like the scheme is already ongoing when she gets sentenced. Well, according to his LinkedIn, his own scheme had been going on for quite a while. So Pamela Rose got, uh, she was required to, okay, so Sanders ends up forfeiting $13 million. But the scheme was much bigger than that. Pamela Rose has to also do Fourteen million dollars. So one is like thirteen three, the other is like fourteen five. But whatever. But she's out. I, wait, maybe she's not. Well, oh. she got so okay. This is June first, eighteen. She's the CEO, right? Which one? Uh, Rose. Yeah. Okay, she got nineteen years. Right. I'm talking about the other one. Sanders. Right. Uh, she's not out. I was incorrect. Hold on. Let me see. What <laughs> hmm. Her husband got charged too. Yeah, I can't tell what those sentences are uh, because the press releases get murky. That's not that's not on me. There's not going to be much we can use out of this part of it. Um Either way, like, I wonder, like, where people get this in their head that, like, that's the thing we're going to do. Well, it it's very – so it is a legitimate business to an extent. Yeah. I, I would have to disagree that it's a legitimate business that's going to be making millions of dollars in profit. However, 
I mean, possibly. And because the legitimacy of the idea is there, and the thing is, initially, they get away with it. Right? Yeah. And they push the limit. This happens with all kinds of federal funding. All kinds of it. All kinds of contracts are out there that all kinds of businesses could defraud. Okay. It's just you go through so much to get to the point where you're defrauding the uh, United States government that you could have actually just had a legitimate business. Right. That's what I don't understand about the situation. Now, granted, the funding is there. Right. But I mean, they weren't like part of the case we started with was that patients who didn't need, want, expect, ask for or, you know, whatever the, the prescriptions were getting them in the mail. Right. So. It wasn't a situation where they were like saying they prescribed these, right? They weren't saying that they compounded them and then they weren't sending them, right? So this is like a whole thing that's going all the way through, right? Yeah, it's almost it's almost like brushing. Do you know what brushing is with like no. Amazon scams? So it's like people will buy things on Amazon and they'll send you stuff that you didn't order and just to like do a review under like your whatever they're doing. So they'll make like an ID and it's like, you know, person one. So, and you really exist. You're Meg from true crime excess. So the person one account suddenly uses Meg from true crime excess's home address and sends a bunch of stuff to it and then leaves reviews for it to get it bolstered. It's called brushing. It's an interesting thing. Like if you've not heard of it, I've never figured out exactly what it's for. I don't really think that works with prescriptions, but I mean, no, no, I but I'm I, saying it's similar to that. Wait, hold on. I did find their sentences. Hold on. Business Insurance has an article on them. It's uh, from Luisa Esola on March of 2020. She says, comp fraud treatment convictions affirmed. A federal appeals court affirmed the convictions of two individuals in fraudulent Houston-based chain of clinics that claimed to provide rehabilitation services for hundreds of injured federal workers in several states, but was found to be fabricating bills for seeing patients who were never treated, among other charges. It says Pamela Rose and Frankie Sanders were sentenced in 2017 to 10 years and 25 years, respectively. Uh, They were executives at FWR, which we already talked about, a business that collected most of its revenue from the Federal Workers' Compensation Program, receiving millions of dollars in reimbursements, according to the documents and the the appeals that were filed. A jury convicted the pair, along with Jeffrey Rose, the organization's CEO, uh, he's not named in the appeal, of conspiracy and fraud for participating in the plot to defraud the Federal Workers' Compensation Fund. Mr. Rose in 2018 was sentenced to more than 19 years in prison in order to pay, repay nearly 15 million. On appeal, both Mrs. Rose and Mr. Sanders, uh, I think they mean Mrs. Sanders, challenged the sufficiency of the evidence, among other issues that included a protest of the criminal forfeiture of several properties, which I was going to get into that, but that's way too deep, I think. I think that would drive people crazy. She basically, and John Cruz is in on that one, she basically tried to hide a bunch of money under this new thing called Pure Value Boutique and say that it wasn't connected, so she should keep it. Yeah, that never works. 
Uh, but this little article ends, the appeals court affirmed the 2017 convictions, writing that there was ample evidence of wrongdoing and that Rose also urges there was no evidence she was party to an illicit agreement with her husband to launder money. But again, plenty of evidence suggests otherwise, adding that evidence exists that properties obtained by Mrs. Rose were connected to the money gained from the fraud. So that basically shut them down on all points here. Well, right. And so it seems like... Um from what you just said about that case. So that's like the earlier case where John Cruz was just an employee of the situation. Right. Um, it seems like he, maybe that's why he went the extra step of actually like having patients come in and then, you know, they were prescribing drugs that weren't needed or wanted or desired. And then they were actually sending them. And maybe he thought he had rectified the problem there. That's the worst. That is the worst business model I could possibly think of. Well, and, you know, that would cut back because you're actually sending the drugs out, right? Um, it, you know, your profit is reduced, right? It's still fraudulent because the people don't need the medication. They don't want them. I'm telling you, that was the downfall in that situation because otherwise, you know, Beyond the situation where they're getting kickbacks for unneeded drugs that are being sent to patients who don't want them, like, it's a regular situation where they're actually seeing a doctor, right? Yeah. There's just something wrong with this whole thing. Like, I can't wrap my head around what they were doing. What's wrong with it is that... In a situation where you set up this alliance for federal workers who need assistance, okay, and you have doctors on board and you truly are assembling a team of people to help people who have been injured and are are seeking compensation from this federal workers' compensation fund, okay, it's not super profitable, Okay, like it's not a situation like if you run it legitimately, you mean correct, which is what I'm saying. It's like now. And so that should be like a blinking red flag to everybody involved. Right. Yeah. Um, And when you you know, because basically it's a, you know, a private organization, they submit uh, to be reimbursed by the work, the federal workers' compensation fund, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a legitimate thing that organizations would legitimately submit to be in, reimbursed for. It's just when you're doing it legitimately, you're not making like bukus of money, right? And so it's not really worth all the effort that has to go into it. And so that's what's wrong with, that's why it smells so bad is because I don't feel like they were ever going to get away with this. Right. And I do actually feel like it's possible based on what you read, just on that excerpt that he was like, oh, well, we're really going to see patients and we're just going to send them the medicine. Then we haven't done anything fraudulent. Except now you've involved the postal service. Well, I mean, it that it was not an that was not an improvement on the plan. I, I mean, it at the bottom line is that federal those federal funds were never meant to finance Phil and Jackie. Well, what was the name of the restaurant? <laughs> 
I, I, I don't know. I the you're talking about the the Phil jazz. And De- Phil and Derek's. Okay, so you know uh, John Cruz and his wife owned a restaurant, right? I, yeah, I know. Okay, I know you had said it earlier, but. Uh, the name of it is Phil and Derek's and you know, it was sold off or whatever, but like I'm saying that basically if your main bread and butter, uh, relies on, uh, the federal workers compensation fund. Yeah. And that's all you have. Like you're not, you know, you don't come from wealth. You didn't inherit wealth. Like you don't have some sort of side hustle or like, just a very aggressive, passive portfolio that you're collecting off of. If your sole bread and butter is the federal um, compensation fund, workers' compensation fund, then uh, you shouldn't have enough money to have like this elegant high-end restaurant that you're the owner of. Like it shouldn't be financing that. And so anytime that's happening now, there's always a situation where the money could be coming from somewhere else, right? Like a legitimate person could be having this, you know, we're for the federal hurt workers uh, organization and, you know, doing it all legitimately. And they could have other things happening because they inherited money or because they made good investments or whatever. But if that's all that you're doing, it's it. Those things just don't equate. They never will. Yeah, and you know, some people. <laughs> I'm going to segue this. Do you have anything else on these guys? This is no. This is like its own Netflix original series that I I would totally watch just to see like how writers can get them from like watching all this happen in 2013 when they're like checking offices for bugs to sentencing for something else entirely different in 2023 that's what makes us super special yeah like they had examples sitting in front of them and they improved upon the fraud i don't even know how you like i don't know that that's the right way to say it but in their mind i think they thought they were improving upon the fraud i would really like to hear that like oh we thought that it wasn't fraudulent because of how we were doing it (laughs) <laughs> All right, so we okay. We picked on Atlanta a little bit. We uh, not Atlanta. We picked on Houston a little bit. Man, we picked on Texas. We picked on New York. We picked on North Carolina. It would not be an appropriate scams giving set of episodes if we did not let Florida make an appearance because Florida feels left out. So this comes out of USA Today, and I held off on this. I've known about this one for a while. I've actually had multiple press releases stacking up, and I know I show them to you every once in a while. You're like, no, because I was worried that they might get off and like not be sentenced. This is a wild one. Uh, Kenzie Crowley wrote an article for USA Today that popped out in October. Uh, th- there are multiple articles in USA Today and in – uh, mainstream media about this, but this is sort of the resolution to it all. She did a pretty good, uh, there's a pretty good summary. So I was going to use this. Um, you could find it in the religion and belief section under the nation uh, headline on USA today. It says Florida family sentenced to prison for selling bleach mixture as COVID cure. And I have a special place for, for stuff that happened during the pandemic. Cause I, I feel like people got especially slimy for a minute. Uh, the family convicted for selling a bleach mixture as a COVID cure was sentenced Friday to several years in prison. This is according to the U.S. Attorney's Office out of the Southern District of Florida. Four men of the Bradenton, Florida, 
Grenon family, that's G-R-E-N-O-N, if you want to go read about their shenanigans. They were found guilty of conspiring to defraud the United States by distributing an unapproved and misbranded drug at a trial earlier this summer. The Grenons represented themselves, while prosecutors called them con men and snake oil salesmen. Prosecutors said the men sold more than a million dollars of the Miracle Mineral Solution, commonly referred to as MMS, claiming it could cure almost any ailment, up to and including the coronavirus. Mark Grennan founded the Genesis 2 Church of Healing of Health and Healing, which he admitted to being a front to protect their practice of selling MMS. Jonathan Grennan, 37, and Jordan Grennan, 29, were also sentenced for contempt of court for ignoring court orders to stop selling MMS and threatening the presiding judge. They were sentenced to more than 12 and a half years in prison. Mark Grennan, 66, and Joseph Grennan, 36, were sentenced to five years in prison, the maximum sentence for their charge. Uh, the court records show that the evidence prosecutors used to demonstrate that they knew MMS was not approved by the FDA. One, the Genesis website referred to itself as a, quote, non-religious church. I don't even know what that means. Uh, in a February 2020 interview, Mark Brennan said, because everything you do commercially is under the universal commercial code, okay? A church is completely separate from that code, statutes, and laws. That's why a priest can give a kid wine in church publicly, and they don't get arrested. That's, that's Mark Grennan's logic. The Grennans sold MMS online for mail delivery via several different websites, and the evidence collected by the FDA's undercover investigation shows that the shipments were labeled and promoted as, quote, sacraments. The sentencing release says that the products were available via a required, quote, donation of specific amounts, effectively making them sales prices. Uh, they started a decade before the COVID-19 pandemic, and they touted MMS as a cure for a number of diseases, including cancer, Alzheimer's disease, diabetes, HIV, AIDS, and leukemia. They sold thousands of bottles of MMS since starting the church in 2010, raking in more than a million dollars. The product they sold directed customers to a mix of sodium chloride and water solution with an acidic activator. The chemical result was a powerful bleaching agent typically used for industrial water treatments or stripping textiles. Evidence shown to the jury included photos of barrels containing 10,000 pounds of sodium chloride powder found at the Grennan's home in Bradenton, Florida. Former member of the Church of Scientology, Jim Humble, created the potion in the late 1990s. Mark Grennan learned of MMS from Jim Humble, and together they decided to, uh, they devised a plan to build and expand the church globally. But MMS quickly received pushback and was even banned in six countries after reports surfaced of hospitalizations, life-threatening conditions, and death. Still, Mark Grennan took credit when President Donald Trump touted false promises of a disinfectant that could cure the coronavirus, and Grennan said that he had sent the president a letter urging him to promote MMS just days earlier. Right. And so adding on to that, I have to say that uh, this particular solution, it got its very own page 
on the FDA Consumer Updates website. And it, the title reads, Danger, Don't Drink Miracle Mineral Solution or Similar Products. And it goes on to basically repeat everything you just said. This was published as of uh, 2019. It even gives a nice little picture. Yeah. Um, and it says that it's, um, that it very plainly states that MMS consumers are drinking bleach. Yes. And um, it, I, I find that very interesting. Now, so they made more than a million dollars, which is not a very, that's not a lot of money for, um, you know, 10 years worth of whatever, right? Do you think? No, considering what they had to have done to like, just they, they live in a, in a hazardous situation. That's about as bad as like a meth lab, just less explosive. I don't know. I think it might explode just as badly, but, um, it, I, I find it uh, a little bit entertaining because I, I, I really dislike financial crimes, but part of this was like the whole, like, oh yeah, we're a non-religious church and we're doing that just so like the rules of being like a, you know, a religious organization will apply to us. Right. Okay, that makes absolutely no sense, right? And it actually, it stands to reason that someone who would be, um, uh, what is the word? I mean, they're not selling, somebody that's trying to get people to purchase this product would absolutely think that way, right? Yeah. Like, let me dilute some bleach into this distilled water, and then I'm going to send it to you. And by the way, we're not... A company. We are a non-religious church. Sending you a sacrament. Sending you a sacrament, right? And and okay, so you know, none of that makes any sense. It's all la la land, right? Yeah, this is all la la land, and it's it's a dangerous la la land if you've got people basically drinking bleach. And, you know, this, so I'll just say this, sodium chloride has a lot of uses. Um, it is primarily a disinfectant and you will find that combined with, uh, combined with different chemicals, it is quite useful in, in a number of different ways. None of them involve what is happening here. Yeah. They're like useful for like cleaning things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like this is a this is definitely a a chemical that's useful for disinfecting, just not of the human body. Typically, where you find this in in some places is you find it being converted to. And I'm going to screw this up. Chlorine dioxide, I think, is how it would work. Yeah, chlorine and dioxide, which is the it's a powerful bleaching agent. Yes, they use it in municipal water treatment plants. Like, right, and so that's like huge amounts of water, right? With tiny amounts of the chlorine dioxide, and people that aren't trying to run a church on the back of mixing well, this with so whatever. Let me ask you this: Do you think there's any credibility to what they are touting? Because in the event that there's not like if they, I mean, cause bleach is a disinfectant, right. And 
I'm thinking based on everything that we've heard, um, because they did represent themselves, another big clue in this whole case. Um, I'm thinking that maybe they actually thought like, well, hey, like bleach will clean clean the bathroom floor. So if we distill distill it enough or is that the right word? If we um, dilute it enough, you know, yes. it'll distill our bodies too, or clean our bodies too. Because otherwise, I mean, they literally could have sold anything, right? Yes. They could have put sugar in it, right? Which, yes. I mean, if you're diabetic, that would probably be a problem. Um, but so to me, like, I'm wondering, did they really think that, like, they had discovered this miracle cure or whoever, you know, was responsible for it had discovered this miracle cure? Did they believe in themselves? And if so, I feel like when you really believe in something you're doing, and you find out, you know, you made a million dollars, but like a million people got, you know, mind bendingly sick off of it. You would say, yeah, maybe that's not the best thing, right? Well, I was wondering, were they sending this to people to drink? Yes. That's the part that I don't understand. No, yes. It, the FDA says the FDA warns you not to drink the miracle mineral solution. At some point, it had also been called the master mineral solution, and it was from the same guys or the same cohort. Oh, my God. Okay. And so, yes, it was – it is a – yeah, because if they're not drinking it, there's not an issue. I mean, really, they shouldn't be selling it. But, I mean, you can you can yeah. make all kinds of things and be like, oh, it's snake oil, right? I mean, you wouldn't say that. But, like, ultimately, the majority of consumer goods have some tendency to be exaggerated in their possible right. effects on how great they're going to make your life. The 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 main thing is that they are actually companies who go through the proper channels to do this, right? They don't say that they're a non-religious church. They don't require a donation and they don't say that their like clear product is a sacrament. Right. right. So that's where it's like it's weird. But it just but they also don't sell things that are going to make you deathly ill like and that's really the only thing that is going to come from it right but it's like to the extreme here right because you could actually I mean if you set up a business and you said I'm gonna sell you know sugar water and sugar water is going to and you could insert like a lot of not untruthful benefits to it right yeah sugar water is not something people should consume unless you're severely dehydrated and it should be like sugar and salt, like for electrolytes. But anyway, you could do that and not face any problems. Okay. If you set it up as a business and you were clear about everything that was happening and you didn't make any untruthful claims, right? Right. Right. Okay. You could do that. And if people buy it, so be it. And so having gone through this entire situation where they've, you know, they got the formulation from somebody, somebody came up with it. I don't think it was these guys specifically, but they got the formulation, they marketed it, right? They, somebody like really stretched their brain cells to get this whole non-religious church thing, right? Yeah. And so all that effort, right? Just to make a bunch of people throw up. 
Well, I got it towards something for real. I'm just saying. Well, it goes for all these scams that always could happen. Sure. Yeah. Um, I have one more. It's also out of Florida. It's a big one though. And like, so as of the time that we're recording this, which is before Thanksgiving, because obviously we will be drinking beer and watching football on Thanksgiving. Or something. I will be um, doing neither of those things. <laughs> but I will, however, be celebrating Thanksgiving. Yeah. Exactly. I'm being silly. Sure. But, um, so there's a possibility there's more than what I'm about to tell people. Because the sources that I've got on this and the people that I've reached out to, uh, this fraud goes back a while. And it looks like they're possibly making more arrests. But I'm going to include it because it's pretty wild. Uh, what I got out of this is out of South Florida 6, which is the NBC affiliate. I think it goes by NBCMiami.com down there. I'm not 100% sure on that. But um, somebody had <laughs> copied and pasted the text of an article for me, and then I found the link. It's from October, like the middle of October 2023, like around the 13th. And the title on it just says 17 Broward Sheriff's employees facing COVID-19 relief fraud charges. More than a dozen Broward Sheriff's Office employees are facing charges related to COVID-19 relief fraud, authorities said on Thursday. The charges involve 17 employees accused of fraudulently obtaining Paycheck Protection Program loans and economic injury disaster loans. Uh, that's according to Markenzie LaPont at the, the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of Florida. LaPont said all 17 defendants were employed as sworn BSO deputies, all 17 defendants are charged with participating in various schemes to defraud the United States Small Business Administration by providing false information regarding their eligibility for financial assistance. Uh, and this is LaPont at a news conference with Broward Sheriff uh, Gregory Tony. LaPont said the employees collectively received around $500,000, which they diverted for their own personal use. He said they didn't commit the alleged offenses in the course of their official duties. This does not in any way diminish the seriousness of what the defendants are alleged to have done here. Law enforcement officers stand in a position of trust in the members of the public who they serve. And LaPont added that the fraud didn't appear to be coordinated. He said all 17 employees are being charged separately with 16 of them facing wire fraud charges and the 17th charged with conspiracy to commit wire fraud. He did say the investigation is ongoing. And I have heard that they may be making more arrests between like Halloween and Thanksgiving on this. Like um, more people? More people in the same department. It's not been a good year. Uh, Gregory Tony said he was disappointed. He hated to see all of them being added to that list. And I was like, man, they shouldn't have done this. Because this, So Paycheck Protection Program, it's billions of dollars in these small business loans where the money could be used for people to pay their employees. They could pay uh, interest on mortgages. They could pay rent. They could pay utilities. It was part of this sweeping coronavirus relief package that became federal law in 2020 when the entire country was shut down. Right. And we've all lived to regret it. Yeah. And so uh, Miami-Dade and Miami, which are two separate entities, they both had officers. One was uh, one pleaded guilty to stealing around $285,000 in COVID-19 relief funds. And that's a, so you said Miami-Dade? Yeah. This is Samuel Harris out of Miami-Dade. He, the way this goes down is 
he had a business called Oregon Digital, and he said that he had 10 employees and a monthly payroll of $50,000, and he was able to obtain a forgivable loan of $125,000, but he claimed on an economic injury disaster loan that Oregon had annual gross revenues of $859,000, and they gave him – so he gets this advance against it. And he doesn't need to repay that advance. And then he gets $149,000 against that. So he gets two different, like basically a paycheck protection loan. And then he gets an economic injury loan. Turns out that like he just made all that shit up. Right. And so that was one guy from that department, right? Yeah. So he pled guilty. He was originally scheduled to be sentenced in September. I did not see a sentencing date come out of South Florida yet, so I don't think that uh, Samuel Harris has been. Uh, I don't think that he has been sentenced yet. So at some point, if, if that pops up during the holidays, like that would be an interesting one to see. I want to see what he gets for it because that's a lot more than this this other setup. You know what I mean? Money-wise, you mean? Yeah, yeah. These these guys are maybe getting what? Like, what does that come out to? Like twenty-five grand a piece or something? Um, I, I don't know. It There's, was. They said it was around five hundred thousand dollars in assistance. It doesn't really matter if it was a dollar, honestly. Um, no, I know, but like, I'm curious what the sentences are going to be like. Oh yeah, no. Um, and so I don't know if I can't. I was listening, but. I was also kind of reading at the same time, so I'm not sure if he said it or not, but every single one of um, these 17 Broward Sheriff's employees are losing their job. Correct. And, um, in fact, the way it was worded, it was interesting because, you know, okay, I have not seen a situation where 17 individuals who all happen to work at the same place, like, they're all being charged. I haven't seen that duplicated anywhere. Okay. They have said that they all acted independently, which is fine. I'm sure they did all act independently, but I guarantee you there's a leader of the pack. Yeah. And I also like, there's a reason why we haven't seen this widespread situation is because like, okay, somebody does it. I would ima- I, I I don't know anything about the I I didn't have anything to any reason to look into the Paycheck Protection Act, right? Um, and because of that, I can say I feel like if you were going to do it deceptively, like you would never tell a soul, right? Yeah, you, but, I think I think when I sent you this, you asked me if there was a group text involved. Right. And so that's what I'm thinking to myself, like, right. Do they have this like evidence of like what was happening here? But there's no way it's coincidental. I understand why the the officials would say that. And and I'm not saying that, you know, there was any sort of like action on in their official capacities. None of these people are going to be employed by this department any longer, but I won't buy for a second that it was coincidental because somebody was like, hey, this is what you do. Yeah. And then they all did it. Now, it does seem like you said that, you know, they didn't go for huge amounts of money. Right. Because if it's total $500,000, then, you know, divided amongst 17 people, I don't know how much that is, but it's not like, you know, $100,000 each. Right. Yeah. 
I hate, I hate it that they did it. I, sometimes the way things are worded in this particular instance with this PPP loan stuff, because essentially what happened was like all billions of dollars were made available. There was a process. The process wasn't great as far as, um, screening out potential fraud. And it was partly because of the crisis we were facing as a country, right? And so federal funds like were being dispersed rapidly. And there were huge loopholes that people just like jumped right through um, for whatever reason. However, um, while it was easy to get through it, it all it appears to be just as easy to track it back and to find these people and slowly but surely like they are bringing charges against people who defrauded this right as they should even though i don't particularly i i think financial crimes are a waste of time as long as we have unsolved murders out there like but I think that this particular situation, stealing money like during a, it wasn't just national. It was like a worldwide crisis. Yeah, it was an international shutdown. Right. And so, and this isn't just free money, right? Like, I mean. Well, ultimately you weren't guaranteed to be forgiven. You know, look, I have an aspect of my life that, that like, this stuff sort of applies to. So I went and they had processing people here. I don't know if you've ever used an organization like um, related to the SBA. There's no, a no-, no, I haven't. I'm familiar with it, but I've never used one. So when you go to apply for a small business loan, typically, it's actually a really complicated situation. And you're going through a processor who's going to help you gather all of the documentation related to that. So I went to them and I said, hey, this is what's happening. I had this situation and I laid everything out like that I thought might apply. And they were like, yeah, you can apply and it'll be this much and blah, 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 blah. And I put together all the documents on this. And I noticed that like applying for small business loans in the past was not like this. Like, like, so in the past, it was what I described. It's very complex and there's a lot of documentation. This was not like that. But the crazy thing is, one, didn't I did not find the situation that I was in eligible for very much money because we weren't going to lose a ton from what had happened. And this is something I was doing on behalf of someone close to me that I am affiliated with their business. So I was, it was totally on the up and up. And it really wasn't much money. There was really a couple of things in there that we were going to lose out on. And we got declined for like $4,000. We were told no. Right. Which is amazing considering, actually, I've heard similar stories and I don't know what the difference is. I, like I said, I had no reason to be looking into any of that. So I have no idea, but I do know like what I saw of it was like, immediately these like I know some like big corporations got like a lot of money and they immediately kind of gave it back I don't know if you remember that or not but uh because the like the 
requirements were not super clear, right? Um, and I don't know what, uh, like, I don't know why you would have been denied a very small amount of money versus like all this fraud having to be addressed at this point, right? Um, with And there were people who got lots of money fraudulently, right? Just like the early, the guy you were talking about from Miami-Dade County and more, right? Um, we, I, I've seen them everywhere. They come up almost constantly. In fact, one of the Department of Justice's offshoots, uh, like, so a page you can get to from their page, one of them has, like, a list of the current, like, you know, United States versus um, the person that has been in trouble for COVID fraud. And it most of it's coming from those PPP loans that were um, available when the country shut down. Yeah. We had, we popped up on some of these where we've been looking at the fraud cases, kind of waiting for them to happen. I just felt like this was a particularly egregious example of all that. The fact that there's 17 um, employees, uh, it, <laughs> it it's interesting because it it's, to me, because they've all been charged with, you know, fraud, uh, yeah, um, so that's a really embarrassing. Um, I do see, you know, they came out sort of, I don't know that they were in front of it, but right there with it and said, hey, we're dealing with this, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like um, it should be the last place you should see 17 altogether, right? As a law enforcement agency. That's my thoughts, yeah. Uh, well, anywhere, really. I feel like anybody that took advantage of um, the PPP I think it, loans. But are, I think it's worse when cops do it in a situation. Well, I agree. But, I mean, anybody that's going to take free money from the federal government, I mean, you're you're lacking in some pretty important self-awareness of what you're actually doing. Yeah. I think. Well, I don't have anything else for Black Friday. You? I think we've done enough. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you next time. So I'm going to tell you guys uh, a few things about some of the folks who are helping sponsor our show. Now, Labrati Creations sponsors our show, and you can always use the, the Crime XS code there. Um, you can also just message them uh, at uh, Labrati Creations, and they will generally do something for the people who come from True Crime XS. They were our very first sponsor. They've done a lot for the show, and that code is CrimeXS at LabratiCreations.com. The first new advertisers that we have, and I've, I've selected all of these guys. I've selected all of these advertisers. So the very first one is Cure. Now, I'm going to tell you guys about this, uh, about Cure as being one of our sponsors. Our second sponsor for the show today is Laird. Now, Laird has a list of things that they want me to tell you about. They have better ingredients with amazing taste and functional benefits. 
They have a superfood creamer crafted from the highest quality, all natural, real food ingredients. All layered products are sustainably sourced and thoroughly tested to ensure that you're incorporating the cleanest, finest fuel into your routine. They have all natural whole food ingredients and they contain naturally occurring MCTs made from coconut oil. There's no artificial flavors, there's no colors or additives, and there's no sugar from highly refined corn syrup. They want me to talk about my love of coffee, but the truth is I don't do much with coffee. But let me tell you someone who does. My wife has to have a cup of coffee every day. Now, I've fallen off recently, but one of the big things that I've done since the beginning of our relationship is she used to go and get a Starbucks every morning. I have substituted that out by always trying to make her coffee. It's not going to be every single day of time from when I met her, but for the most part, almost every day, I make her coffee. I put her creamers together, and I make sure that she has a good way to start her day. So with Laird, he started experimenting with his morning ritual almost two decades ago. He found that when he started adding fats to his morning cup, like coconut oil, he had amazing energy throughout the rest of his day. He gradually perfected this recipe for an epic cup of fuel, and he began sharing it with his friends in the surf community. I'm an ocean guy, so... I saw this item and I was like, okay, we're going to try this one out. Are you ready to feel more energized, more focused, and supported? Go to LairdSuperfood.com and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. And you can use our promo code at checkout to save 15% off your purchase today. Our offer code for this for Laird is going to be X. S. Pretty much everywhere except for Labarty Creations, if you use True Crime XS, that will get you, uh, at Laird, it'll get you 15% off. At some of the other places, it'll get you 20% off. Uh, I'm going to tell you about two more uh, sponsors today. So the first one is, uh, the third one is Liquid IV. So let's talk about the real reasons that you need to hydrate. Late night TV binging, back-to-back Zoom meetings, going on a walk with your friends. Everyday hydration is not just for high-energy athletic endeavors. Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. It's now available in sugar-free. This is years in the making, but Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free uses a proprietary zero-sugar hydration solution with no artificial sweeteners. It's got three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, but it's also got eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness. Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone. Keep your daily routine exciting with three new flavors. They've got white peach, green grape, and lemon lime. I love all of these flavors, but I think that my favorite is probably the green grape. Uh, White peach, I use as a secondary flavor and lemon lime I leave here for my kids and my kids and my wife. Uh, Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. They also partner with leading organizations to fund and foster innovative solutions that help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. 
You can get 20% off when you grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free or any other variant at liquidiv.com and use code TrueCrimeXS at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code TrueCrimeXS at liquidiv.com. And the last sponsor I want to tell you about is Zencaster. We're part of Zencaster's creative network. We've been using Zencaster since about midway into our first season. Uh, Meg and I experimented with a lot of different ways to put the podcast together. And the truth is Zencaster was an, an integral ingredient to us being able to bring you this show. It's so easy. It's now super easy. You can record a podcast with Zencaster. You can log in using your browser and you start recording a high quality podcast right away. You can record studio quality sound and up to 4K video with your guest. You get to feel a sense of Zen knowing that Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you will always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. You sound your best. I mean, if you've ever worried about what you sound like, Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes those ums and ahs in your recordings. It removes those awkward pauses and conversation too. You can set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with a click of a button. That's how you don't hear my dogs every uh, second of every episode. Zencaster is all in one. If you've thought about podcasting before and realized that you need a lot of different tools and services, those days are now over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place, and you can distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other ma major destinations. Just go to Zencaster.com pricing and use my code TrueCrimeXS, and you're going to get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. You can also check out the other plans they have available. I want you to have the same easy experiences that I do for all my podcasting and content needs. So Zencaster.com slash pricing. The offer code is TrueCrimeXS. And it's time for you to share your story today. Uh, we are also adding New Era as a uh, sponsor for the show. New Era Cap is a headwear and apparel brand founded in 1920 in Buffalo, New York. Now, uh, I actually have some experience with New Era Caps. My dad and I have been through multiple iterations of baseball caps through the years. We collect different styles, different eras, and then my teenager has started his own cap collection and has several New Eras as the centerpieces. Our favorite teams may not be the same, but our outfits are all topped with the same new era ball caps. Uh, we love the quality and the ability to wear what the players are wearing. Not to mention new era is the leading headwear manufacturer with quality licensed products. You can support your favorite college or pro team in style from the official headwear provider for the MLB, NFL, and NBA. You can get a stylish accessory for your everyday ensemble and support True Crime XS. Just shop the official headwear and get 15% off when you go to neweracap.com. That's N-E-W-E-R-A-C-A-P.com slash True Crime Access. You can also use the code True Crime Access at checkout. That's it. That's all you have to do. And that's 15% off your order using the promo code True Crime Access. <laughs> 